We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you everybody out there for locking in, whether you're listening to us in audio podcast form, whether you're checking us out on the video side on YouTube. Appreciate you all very much. Um, today is, well, this is dropping anyway on Thursday, which means I am joined by my good buddy, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. What's going on, man? A uh, good tone to have. You know, it's Christmas week. I'll talk about myself in a second here, but it's, it's Christmas week, just a couple days away. And we're coming off a convincing, maybe besides the Miami game, the best we've seen the Buffalo Bills look all season against a really good opponent. Um, we talked about them last week. I think the Bills even exceeded our expectations uh, with, their, with their game in Dallas. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. I mean, like you said, it's Christmas week, so that's that part makes it good regardless of anything sure. that's going on with the with the football team. But yeah, I mean, you talk about it as convincing a win as you are going to see, and not just, again, against the team that you would expect it. And I know we'll talk about the Chargers in a bit, but nobody was expecting that against the Cowboys, like not even for a second. So, you know, here you can kind of take a deep breath. You can feel all right. Like it's it's a good week. It is. Well, it is. It's a great week. Yeah. Not a great week for me, man. I continue to just – go through it. I'm looking rough. I, I, I feel rough. I sound rough, but I'll tell you this. So we're taping this Wednesday. This drops on Thursday. Thursday is the 21st. I promise you this much. Anth, I don't give a shit how sick I feel when I get up on Thursday morning, I'm going to get up. I'm going to jump in the shower. I'm going to have myself a nice breakfast. Then I am going to go in my son's room and I am going to wake him up. Say, get your ass in the shower, get yourself a nice breakfast, and then we are going to go to a pub, and we are going to sit down, and we are going to have a beer, and we're going to have some wings, and I and we're going to do it legally. He's turning 21 tomorrow, man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So he's turning, you're probably thinking, what kind of alcoholic are you right now? <laughs> I'm like waking your son up on a Thursday to go have a beer at like 11 in the morning at a bar. My son's turning 21, man, and I, I know this might sound crazy to, to some people, but I have waited so long, so long, so many years for him to be 21 years old, just to be able to sit down, kind of, I feel like a rite of passage thing with my son to be able to have, and he's not much of a, of a drinker, well, he'll yeah. have some beers, you know what I'm saying, but um, just to be able to do it like legally at a bar and I, I just the thought of it has always been something that's been uh real cool to me and growing up I always not always but you know if I I feel like we're at the age right now where you remember a lot of your some of your teenage stuff like your thoughts some of the things you yeah. did but I'm sure over through the years you kind of forget about a lot of shit you know I know I have um I always remember being a teenager and wanting to have a bear at a bar with my dad 
And unfortunately, he asked when I was 19, my dad passed away, so I never got the chance to do that. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I always, you know, my kid's going to be 21 years old someday. I want to live long enough and be able to uh, to do that. So I you don't give a shit how under the weather I am. Stay away from me, I guess. You know, stay, don't come within 10 feet of me if you don't want to get sick, if you think I'm contagious. I'm not. I already know what I have. But, um, yeah, I can't wait, man. I'm so excited about it. Well, that's uh, that's awesome. You know what? I mean, for for as you started telling that, I was like, I wasn't quite sure where where this was going. I'm like, is, <laughs> you know, is Pat the type of guy that does like all his shopping in one day, and you're just gonna <laughs> bang everything out, and then this and that? But that will be uh, that will be great for both of you. And uh, you know, it's funny you talk about that stuff when we're younger. You don't, you know, you don't appreciate it as much. Sure. Then as you should, but it provides those things that you look back on, and that's uh that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Can't wait, can't wait. So anyway, um oh yeah, like you said, we're gonna talk about the Chargers in a little bit because I guess we have to. I mean, it is a football game and it's a big game for the Bills. It's just as important as uh as the New England game next week and even the Miami finale because they simply have to win the football game. But um we'll we'll get to that in a few minutes. Going back a little bit to, to last week. We both predicted a Bills win. So, like I said, we're not surprised the Bills won. I, I think maybe the fashion that they won was surprising. And I'm not even talking so much about the score because Dallas came to this game, you know, un pretty much unbeatable at home, but, you know, a mid-team on the road. So, I don't think it's a, a huge shock that the Bills won convincingly, but it's the, the manner that they did it. Like, if we, you know, we did a preview last week, and I don't think either of us thought for two seconds that Josh Allen would go seven to 15 for 90 some yards. And uh, Stefan Diggs would, you know, have maybe around 49. I think he had 49 yards receiving. Gabe Davis, no catches. Shakir, no catches. Kincaid, no catches. Dawson Knox, no catches. Sherfield, no catches. Hardy, no catches. And it's like they still whooped, whooped on Dallas. And it's because of the running game. I mean, James Cook was sensational. And for people who are old enough to, to have been watching the Bills for a long time now, you definitely saw some of those Thurman Thomas-esque type runs and coming out of the backfield. Um, just talk about this running game and, and to the usage of the running backs under Joe Brady because that is probably, aside from Josh taking off with the ball more now and running some more design plays, this has been the other thing that's been the, the, the unmistakable Joe Brady factor, using the running backs more, more effectively and in the passing game too. Yeah, it is something that... Uh that I've been waiting a long time for, right? I mean, I joke with a lot of folks with Bruce Nolan and Joe Marino and Jeremy White and with you about like, oh gosh, the Bills should get a, a running back in the first round. I mean, how can we mock B. John Robinson to the Bills or whatever? And, you know, it's it's not just about the talent, right? It's about the usage. It's about the scheme. It's And James Cook, okay, he has the talent. Like you don't do what he does on Sunday by mistake. And we've seen flashes with it. And in many ways, you're just probably thinking to yourself like, gosh, you need, you need a bit more of it. Now, Sunday was on the extreme, right? I mean, I, I feel like that was almost uh you're going back in a time machine to, like you said, only 15 pass attempts from Josh Allen. Many folks, you'd be thinking to yourself like, good gosh, what are you, what are you doing? You got this, sure. you know, all pro juggernaut, whatever it may be, but just to be able to say like, Hey, we can do this if necessary. We can dominate through the run. It doesn't mean it's something that the Bills are going to do every week, but you look at the matchup that they had with Dallas, them kind of having a, a light defense uh, along those lines. And, and I'll give this credit too, right, to Joe Brady. You're doing it, and it worked, so let's just keep doing it. And if they can't stop it and you're just going to get seven or eight yards a clip, just keep getting seven or eight yards a clip. Like, let's go. And it's a huge credit to to James Cook and kind of the player that he was, like you said, to Joe Brady. And I'll throw Ty Johnson in there as well. Um, yeah. He is effective when he has the ball in his hands. And it was just like, what was it, like maybe nine carries for 54 yards? Like, yeah. All right. That's – but a dominant running performance. And, again, it wasn't this, oh, well, we have to pass the ball because of this or, you know, let's keep Diggs happy or, you know, Josh needs to throw the ball. What are we doing? dominating performance and it all came through the run do you feel or did, did you feel at the time that because ken dorsey got fired after the denver game and did you feel at the time to some extent that that was a scapegoat move at the time and did you feel that maybe with, with joe brady coming in 
because he was the quarterback's coach and becoming, you know, the interim OC, maybe at the time, did you just feel like maybe it's just the players needed a little bit of changes of scenery and uh, just, you know, sometimes you fire somebody and someone else comes in and you kind of rally around them a little bit. Cause I kind of feel like at the time, anyway, I felt like Dorsey was a scapegoat, scapegoat, but little did I know, that Joe Brady's philosophy, and I want to speak on that more in a minute because I thought you just brought up a great point about what he was doing to he found a weakness and just went after it. But um, they're, they're different types of OCs, and I'm, yeah. I'm kind of noticing that already. So I don't know that can do – or maybe he was a scapegoat, but there's definitely a difference in this offense right now between the two for sure. Yeah, and both of those things can be true. And I did feel that Ken Dorsey was a scapegoat, right? And that's and I think that's okay to say. Like you can think to the Denver mm-hmm. game, like, okay, could the offense have played better? Absolutely. But the offense left the field with a lead in that game, right? And it was the defense that let the Broncos march down and get into field goal position. And then the special teams that that allowed you know 12 men on the field and didn't correct that and and all those types of things um i I don't even want to go through all that but yeah i did feel like he was a little bit of a scapegoat but Mm -hmm. right and and here's the but it doesn't mean that a change wasn't a positive thing i don't even want to say wasn't necessary because that even in itself it's like you know two different offensive coordinators can call things differently and both have success and it can look different. And what that level of success is, you know, there can be a question with that. But um, but it was necessary. And again, someone can be effective, but someone else can come in and give a new voice, give some new concepts, give some new energy. And I do feel like Dorsey was not a maybe an energy coach, right? And Brady yeah. seems to be to be that, you know, when you see him interacting with the players and those things. And and I don't know, but for right now, I think we can say it's working. So scapegoat or not, credit to Sean McDermott. And I realize giving Sean McDermott credit these days is not something that happens too often. He made the move. He made a tough move, right? Because Dorsey, you know, he's not a jerk. He's likable, beloved by the players, this and that. But he made a move that was necessary. And for right now, it seems to be paying off. All right, we're still talking here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Imperial Pizza, now with two locations. Of course, you got your staple 1035 Abbott Road location, but now they're also at 1665 May Street near Canisius College. So make sure you go check them out. Some of the best pizza, wings, and subs in town. All right, so you had a great point about Ken Dorsey, and I've been saying this the entire time. Not everyone agrees with me. In fact, uh, Jordan Poyer's brother, Jeremiah, part of, uh, you know, one of the Buffalo Rumblings guys that kind of, I don't want to say we got into it, but we, we respectfully disagreed. I've maintained all along that when it comes to Josh Allen, that it was not Ken Dorsey being the one that kind of limited Josh Allen using his legs. I think that was a Sean McDermott thing. I think that was something that was part of strategic, um, part of his plan for the season to maybe keep Josh fresher for later in the season to not use his legs as much, not take a beating running the football. Now, of course, you know, all hands are on deck. The Bills in the second half of the season found themselves in must win. And we can debate that. You know, some people will say, well, Dorsey's the OC. And I say it was McDermott who said, listen, I don't want him running the football. We could could debate that, but we won't. But one thing that um, you brought up, I completely agree with, is Ken Dorsey, just like even Brian Dable, as great as Brian Dable was, and there were times where, they would get too cute. Like something was working and then they would get away from it. And that's what I'm loving about Joe Brady, like this Dallas game. And you said it and you're spot on. They found a weakness in that defense and they just exploited it and they kept exploiting it and they didn't get away from it. And they didn't try to get cute and say, all right, well, Gabe's got to eat. Stefan's got to eat. Josh has to eat. They just went, Joe Brady just went with what works. And, and that's one thing I'm learning very early on about him. By the way, get that interim tag off him. He's the OC now, okay? And he probably will be, hopefully, for in a, a couple of years. But, yeah, man, I just I, I like Joe Brady from what I've seen, just the way he'll find a weakness in a defense. It might be with running the ball. It might be throwing the ball, but he'll just keep attacking it. Yeah, and and listen, and I keep reminding myself too. It's it's been four games, like I because I've said, oh, remove the interim tag as well. And then there's the part of just like, okay, it's four games. Mm-hmm. Like 
there's no need to rush. There's probably agents involved and negotiating and this and that. And for right now, it's probably just like, listen, let's focus on getting to the playoffs. Rest of this season, like there will be time, all those those things that need to take place. But it's also only been four games. Like I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like, heck, after the Dolphins game, we were probably worried that Ken Dorsey was going to get plucked to be a head coach and go someplace. So that's fair. I, I, you know, I'm trying to stay within reason, but I'm. I'm more than cautiously optimistic. I'm really optimistic about Joe Brady and what he's done so far and just the Bills offense looking good. You feel like James Cook is emerging into a legitimate star player? I mean, don't look now. There's only three weeks left in the season. This guy's second in the NFL in rushing, and he's third in the NFL in total yards from scrimmage. If we would have been having a season preview discussion a handful of months ago, and I would have said, here's a bold prediction. James Cook is going to be second in the NFL rushing, and only Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey would have more yards from scrimmage than James Cook. You would have felt like, what? You know, that's, that's a little bit outlandish, but here we are with just three weeks left, man. Yeah, it's a little crazy, and I think the best example with it, and I, I'm multiple times I've said today, you know, I, I, I like the idea of having a marquee running back. Uh, Joe Marino on Locked On Bills yesterday had said, uh, he had gotten a question saying, you know, listen, I realize you're not one to ever talk about giving a contract extension, a second contract to running backs, but the way James Cook is performing, what do you think? And Joe was like, yeah, let's see how things look next year. But, you know, not the like, oh, that's the steadfast rule. You don't pay running backs. You don't this, you don't anything like so for me to say like, hey, this guy is the real deal. It's one thing to have Joe Marino thinking that yeah, this is someone you probably, you know, need to entertain about having a contract extension and giving a second deal to a running back in Buffalo. That to me was a sign of just like, okay, I'm not the only crazy one here. Everybody's, you know, starting to warm up to this a little bit. I feel like although it sucked at the time and I was really annoyed at the time that Denver game when he got benched after a fumble, which by the way, I think what annoyed me the most was that it wasn't a careless turnover by James Cook. It was a hell of a play by a Denver defender to strip the ball when he was getting tackled. Sometimes that stuff just happens. But anyway, kind of feel like the light went off a little bit for him there because that rest of that game, that Denver game, he was running like a, a man possessed. And now, like I said, you've really added this element. I mean, he's called passes all season long, but now it's not even just like little dumps uh, on the flat out of the backfield. I mean, he's running full routes and catching the ball in the end zone. He's done it two straight weeks. He's caught a ball in the end zone. Would have had another touchdown catch, but, you know, he had a drop on Sunday, which whatever, who cares, not a big deal. But really, like, they're getting the whole James Cook experience now. They're really utilizing him in a lot of different ways and not just running the football. That's the most fun part. Well, and it's that part of the experience that is – making it unique, right? I mean, we know Gabe Davis has not been having the success that we'd like him to see this year. You know, James Cook being a viable... An understatement. You know, yeah. <laughs> so Cook being a viable pass-catching option, you know, that works. But, you know, I mean, we joke all the time whenever you mention, you know, J.D. McKissick and this and that, and, oh, they traded for Naheem Hines and, you know, supposed to have these pass-catching backs maybe it's not so much the back because you've, you know, had guys that maybe have the ability, but it's just that usage. And maybe that is the piece where when you talk about Joe Brady utilizing him in a way that it's not just the dump off that you mentioned, but really being that weapon in the passing game and seeing, as you said, two games in a row where, where he's having success with it. I think maybe the, the most impressive thing with Joe Brady is the, the usage, the, how he has made Ty Johnson, a guy who, Again, going back maybe a month or so, I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Like, why is he even on the practice squad? Why is Leonard Fournette being, not being elevated? That was something I remember. I spent a couple Saturdays because typically on a Sunday game, it's Saturday, 4 p.m., yeah. um, practice squad elevations are due. And I kept saying to myself, why is Leonard Fournette not being elevated? Well, this is why. Nothing against him, but Ty Johnson has just been, um, he's been really good. I don't know, though. I kind of like when the Bills struggle a little bit at running back because then it kind of makes me look forward to the offseason with you and your obsession with getting a first-round pick. I think the Travis ATN stuff a couple of years ago, that that was the best. Brees Hall last the uh, actually the year Cook got drafted in the second round. That was fun, too. But, uh, yeah, dude, you, you pounding the table for that first-round running back. I don't think we're going to be able to, to, to do that this coming season, man. What are you going to do? 
no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out. I'm we'll be looking at uh again free agent veteran running backs looking to sign on like a one point five million dollar deal, <laughs> you know, to fill the Latavius Murray uh you know kind of role for for the Bills, but. When it comes to the draft, it'll be all about the wide receivers. I can. I was going to say, man, I really hope you're about to say wide receiver because, I, look, I love Gabe. And I got into it. I, I don't want to say I got into it, but a, a fan, I, I was doing a, a live post game on Sunday, and a fan suggested, because there was that one long throw on Sunday where Josh didn't connect with Gabe Davis, and Gabe just couldn't track the ball. And a fan suggested that it was a lack of effort. And I don't buy that at all. I think Gabe Davis is out there giving 100% every snap. Um, he's a great run blocker. So he's not completely and utterly useless because he's still bringing something to the team. And he's a captain, man. So there's not, it's not a lack of effort. It's a lack of execution. It's a lack of his ability to maybe to be able to track that football. Like he's, That's just not what he does. But no matter how, much, how good you feel about him as a person and as somebody who is capable of making plays, dude, the bottom line is, Three of the last four games, he's had quite literally zero catches. Literally yeah. zero catches in three of the last four games. And I'm starting to wonder, and I want to ask you this. Do you think that it's plausible to maybe start taking some snap, some reps away from him, man? I'm I'm almost ready to see what maybe Trent Shurfield could do in that role. Trent Shurfield's a good blocker too, but maybe he could do more in the passing game. I don't know. I just, I mean, you're getting zero and I get it. Like the Dallas game didn't matter because they were running the ball so effectively. But man, I just you're, you're not getting anything from him. And I mean, literally nothing from him, production-wise, offensively. Yeah, I don't see a, a viable option that it's worth making the shift. I mean, he's still playing the vast majority of your snaps. It is not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of run blocking. The offense that we've seen again under Joe Brady these last four weeks, okay, it's working. Um, so, yeah, I'm not throwing in the towel. If there was another option, I mean, I don't look at Trent Sherfield maybe in the same way that you do to say that, oh, this is this is a guy that's going to to make a difference or give you an uptick. So um, I'm not at that point yet. I mean, talk to me after Saturday night, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how things go. Maybe I'll shift uh, my thinking just a bit. But, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not there yet. I will say they were. We I I was ready. A lot of people were ready to throw in the towel on Gabe, and then he had like six catches for over 100 yards. I think it was against Philly a couple weeks ago. So it is still there. It's just I don't know, man. It's just so so frustrating. You wonder if there are other other options on the team. And speaking of other options on the team, by the way, some really good news, some potential big news. Jordan Phillips has surgery, which sucks. And I've look, I've been hard on this dude. I have blasted him on Twitter all season long. But he played one hell of a game against Dallas. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, and he gets hurt. I'm like, come on, man. You know, an another injury to this team. But the good news is Daquan Jones started his practice window this week. He's already been ruled out for this week. I would suspect he probably doesn't play against the Patriots either. But there is a real chance that he will be back for that week 18 finale at Miami. And you know, um, I still have a good enough memory to remember the first month of the season. And I was making an argument that I thought Daquan Jones was probably the defensive MVP. I mean, he was playing at an all-pro level. So if they get him back, that is huge. Because not just because of what he does, which he does a lot, but I think Ed Oliver goes to another level when Daquan Jones is playing alongside him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I say this because... You know, and, and every player is different. You don't want a guy to come back too soon or, you know, hey, if he's going to be out there in a shell of himself or playing hurt, then what does that look like? So I'm I want to be optimistic with this, but it's just like, hey, let's let's see what we've we've got here. I mean, gosh, if he can come back at, you know, I don't even want to say like 75 percent. That's not high enough. But right. Like you, you're getting to like 85, 90 percent of who you were before. Now we're in business. And, and listen, you still have Puna Ford who can come in and, you know, fill the spot for Jordan Phillips if it's a couple weeks before um, before Daquan Jones can get back. And and I'll say this, too. I mean, he's a great follow on Twitter, Jones. I mean, even just yesterday, yeah. you knew his practice window was opening because he just tweets out a picture of himself at a Bills practice with a big smiley face emoji. And you're just like, you know what? He's – He's a good follow. And you look at this and just think, okay, 
talk about getting somebody back at the time when you really need it. If you are going to get to the playoffs, he is certainly a difference maker. So I'm uh, I'm excited about what this can be. It was it was funny when he tweeted that out because there were a lot of uh, quote tweets with like the big eyes, the googly yeah. eyes. Um, that was fun to say. And for what it's worth, Jordan Phillips has said that he expects to be able to to get back. He hopes he can get back if the Bills um, end up making the playoffs. You're being even, we're really uh, even keeled today, man. You're not too high. Well, you wouldn't have no reason to be too low because this team's playing really well right now. But yeah, you're keeping it nice and even keel. I don't know how I'm, I'm, that. I, I'm the I, well, I'm the overreactor. I'm the one the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. You're keeping it nice and uh, nice and balanced here today when it comes to uh, <laughs> to the Bills. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we're gonna talk Chargers only because we have to. I mean the Bills are playing them this week, but I'm not looking forward to talking about the Chargers. But we will right after this break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino. We're previewing the Buffalo Bills LA Chargers game on Saturday night primetime. Um, yeah, you know, before the break, I was kind of dismissing the Chargers. Maybe I shouldn't do that. They're five and nine for the season. Uh, but dude, this is a team that's they, they've lost five of their last six, including a a 63 to 21 shellacking, an embarrassing, one of the more probably embarrassing losses that franchise has suffered in many, many years last Thursday. And I remember watching it and I'm thinking to myself, because I knew the Bills are playing them next. I'm like, keep this game competitive, lose the game, but keep it competitive enough. Because once it got to be like 49-7, 56-7, like, you know what? Brandon Staley's getting fired tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. And he did. So they fired their coach after this game and they fired their GM after this game, which I never liked that because you seem to... You know, just all sports, you fire the coach, you seem to get a short-term lift from the players, maybe a little bit of uh, enthusiasm. But again, this is a team that's lost five of their last six. And made, most importantly, their quarterback, Justin Herbert, who do a lot of damage, he broke his finger and he's done. So Easton Stick is the starting quarterback for the Chargers on Saturday. He's been sacked already five times in one and a half games. Uh, your early... Initial thoughts on this game and the Chargers. I'm treating the Chargers like the Kansas City Chiefs. I knew it. <laughs> There's 0% chance I'm looking at this, and I don't care what the point spread is. I don't care who's playing quarterback. I hate the fact that they fired their head coach because every time you see that, right, it becomes a – there's a bump that that comes with it, right? As a team, sure. you're embarrassed because you got your head coach fired. You're also embarrassed because you just gave up 63 points to a guy named Aiden O'Connell, right? So you you go through all of this and you just think to yourself and just like, all right, teams are winning with backup quarterbacks all across the NFL. Again, Aiden O'Connell, rookie, whatever round pick he was, just put up 63 leading the Raiders offense against the sure. Chargers. We're seeing backup quarterbacks win games for Indianapolis the Houston Texans for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's like, it's almost like, good gosh, do quarterbacks matter anymore? Like, I don't know. Joe Flacco is throwing for 350 some yards and winning games. So there is zero part of me looking past the chargers and just thinking, Oh, this is a ho hum game. Like 
No, there is none of that whatsoever. You come out guns a blazing. You put your foot on their throat and you do not step up, step off until it is zeros across the board. So you said yeah. I was even keeled. Now my like blood pressure is growing <laughs> because you're just like, we're not going to talk about the Chargers because they suck. <laughs> I can see Keenan Allen catching 20 passes across in like whatever. No, I'm mm -mm. like you treat them like the Chiefs, whoever, whatever nemesis that you have. I've watched this team lose this season to Mac Jones. I saw Tyrod Taylor should have beaten them. Like it is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Just my God. It just no. So Easton stick, don't make him look like, I'll be honest though. If you gave me like 15 names, like there's no way I would have guessed Easton stick. I've never, most guys, you know, you've heard of through like sure. draft stuff or college football, whatever, but it's just like, don't make this guy a household name on Saturday night. <laughs> don't let it happen because there's too much wacky shit that is happening this season. And you know, I'm, no way. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the during the 2021 season, I was at Resurgence um, Brewery downtown, and Jay Spence from Rumblings was doing um, a live show there. And two of the guests were myself and Nate Gary, and we were previewing uh, the Bills Jacksonville game. And the Bills were, you know, just crushing everybody. And Jacksonville, a couple years ago, anyway, they were kind of like a laughing stock. They suck. And I kind of remember, especially Nate, and I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit, but Nate like just completely and utterly dismissed the Jaguars. It was like looking so much past that game. It was like that game didn't even exist. And we started talking about big picture stuff. And of course, that was the day where the other Josh Allen from Jacksonville had himself a day and the Bills lost in Jacksonville. So sure. And you look at even this year, and some of their ugly losses to inferior quarterbacks and opponents. But man, it's really hard to get there. When I again with Justin Herbert, Bickler done for the season. Austin Eckler, who is like an all-world, at least fantasy football player, he hasn't done shit this year. He's been like semi-benched. He's only got five touchdowns for the year. He's only averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Um, Keenan Allen, don't know what his status is, but he's going through a heel injury. Mike Williams is already done. Joe Bosa is done for the season on the other side of the ball. He's been done. So this offensive line has been terrible. They've given up 34 sacks. I, I think the only two things that scare me is one, which you hit on, which is completely valid is the quarterback or not the quarterback, the head coach change. Cause I do think that can might galvanize some player, some, and then old friend, uh, UB guy, Khalil Mack. This guy is a monster this year. He's got 15 sacks this season. Um, and like I said, the charges are six and sacks. So, I mean, they do have some things that could hurt you. But I, I guess it comes down to, do you think this Bills team has really changed? Is this the same Bills team that we saw through, you know, the, the first 12 games or so? Because I'm seeing a Bills team right now that just looks like they're they're just going to roll through some, especially if you're playing a shit team. And the Chargers are a shit team. Let's not make any mistake about it. I know I'm pissing you off. You don't like this. No, you're not. I, You know what? You're bringing, you're bringing up old emotions, though, right? Like you think back to this season of just playing down to the competition yeah. in, in certain games, right? And it's like, you know, I can even include the Broncos in that. I mean, the Broncos rebounded and, you know, credit to, to them for what they've done. But just in enough situations, it's just like, this team is not good enough to take anybody lightly. And for me, it is just like, okay, it is every game is a playoff game from here on out. These next two definitely are, right? Like there, there is no no option. If you lose to Easton Stick or if you lose to Bailey Zappi, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. Agreed. So like this is – but you don't take anyone, anyone lightly, uh, lightly. We've, you know – Listen, you can talk about whatever upset in the NFL. You're a fan of March Madness. You talk about 15 seeds beating two seeds and all this type of shit. No, it is just like there better be a level of focus this week of just like, again, you're playing a morph between the 49ers and the Chiefs, and this is who you're going in. And We see it ar around the league. I mean, good teams lose to bad teams. It does happen. So, uh, look, man, to sit here and say there's zero chance – that the Bills could lose on the road in prime time to the Chargers. We're going to have 53 guys or 47 guys out there playing for a, a head coach who's making his debut as an interim coach. Sure, I get that. Let me ask you this, though. 
Do you think the Bills right now are the best team in the AFC or one of the top two teams in the AFC? Because I do. It's funny. They might not make the playoffs, but, and everybody says it. No, nobody wants to play the Bills in the playoffs. It's true. Like, I'm at the point right now where it's like, I don't know that there's a better team in the AFC except maybe, maybe, maybe Baltimore. That's it, man. I think they're right there. Yeah. I mean, listen, I can, you can make the case. I mean, and you can make the case for a number of teams, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I I can say it. I can see it. I mean, there's no one that I would look at and say, oh, there's no chance the Bills would have to beat the Ravens or the Dolphins or the Chiefs or the Jaguars or any of those pieces, right? And it's just like, yeah, no, I would would go into any of those games expecting the Bills to win. You sound like a, uh, a, a high school kid and who's who's got a crush on the girl, but he's a little bit afraid to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like <laughs> you outlandish. You don't want to say nothing crazy, or you're afraid because this team's hurt you so much. You're like, especially this season. You know, it's like be a little careful here. I don't want to be overly optimistic because they're they're setting you up to to get hurt. And I I get that. I see. I've that. been hurt before, Pat. You know, uh, what I mean? like yeah. this team can, this team can break your heart. So it's, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is a, a different feeling, right? Like, gosh, you know, you, you think back that loss to the Eagles where it's like, oh my gosh, like you just pissed that one away, but then you come back off the bye and it's like, okay, you beat the chiefs, which wasn't exactly pretty, but you do it. And you make mm-hmm. the stop at the end, which you haven't done. So it's just like, you get that. Then you dominate Dallas and you're just like, all right, that's that's different, right? That's that's a different type of of step. You beat the nemesis and the Chiefs, who again, you could say during the regular season, the Bills have done what they need to, but yeah, it, it's okay to feel a level of confidence right now. Sure. Um, I got three keys for me for for this game. And it could easily just be one, and it would be as simple as don't blow it. You know, you're the better football team by far. And just don't blow it. But you know, to be a little bit more specific, I would say the, the the biggest key key one is just not to give this team hope. You know, you come out, don't play the Bills. Not not really under Joe Brady, but as a whole this season, the Bills have played crappy offense to start the game. You know, and um, that happened in New England, and they didn't play well early, and they gave New England hope, and New England hung around, and stayed uh stayed competitive, and won the game. So I would say first and foremost get off to a good start. They did it last week against Dallas. Uh, they did it against Kansas City. So keep that trend going. You get up on this team 17-7, and I, I feel like it's going to be lights out. So number one is just the obvious. Like I said, just make sure you get off to a good start. Don't let a inferior team get any hope going into the locker room at halftime, you know? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, and I it's not to uh, to pick on you, but when you say like don't blow it, I feel like that has been Sean McDermott's mo in some games, right? Of just like, oh, we're the better team, we're mm-hmm. just gonna play a, a you know a, a decent game of football, and we will be better than them. And it's just like you know what, even even the win over Washington this season, right? Like it kind of was. Washington was just sort of horrible and like you kind of like let them hang around a little bit and then it down the stretch you really pulled away from them. It's just like no, it's not a like don't blow it. It's a like foot on the gas. Like go in and say like we are going to kick this team's ass sure. and actually do it. Kind of sure. like, you know what? I said mentality before of like when you go into the game against the Chiefs, I'm going to walk that back because I feel like McDermott has like almost too much respect for Andy Reid as, you know, his mentor and someone that he worked under, like bring that same kind of mentality that you do to when you play the Dolphins, right? Think back to the Dolphins earlier in this year, and it is just like, now we are throwing haymakers this game. You might land one or two, but guess what? We are going to keep punching the entire time. So I don't want it to be like a don't blow it. I want it to be like a we are going to blow you out, and we know we're going to blow you out, and we're not going to stop. Yeah. Um Good point. Easton Stick, put this guy to the ground four times. Come on. Easton uh, seven, Stick, seven I mean, times. come seven on. Times. Come right. on. Four, yeah. four is too low. Yeah, well, minimum four times. I just, man, I, I always, as a Buffalo sports fan, not just the Bills, but the Sabres too. And by the way, dude, the Sabres are atrocious right now. What an embarrassing. We're taping this early Wednesday. By the way, I usually say that at some point during the show. In case anything goes down with the Bills and we didn't hit on it today, that's because we're taping this on Wednesday morning for a 
Thursday night audio drop, a Wednesday late night video drop. But anyway, the Sabres went out at home on Tuesday night. They get Jack Quinn back and just shit the bed. Down 7-1 to one at one point. The fans are booing them. There's a smattering of fire Donnie chants. I mean, what an absolute disappointment, this team, that had playoff expectations um, that they've been. And it's almost Christmas time. And they're getting themselves in a hole where people are like, there's still a lot of games left. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that jump, and they don't look like they're going anywhere. Anyway, I'm going off on something completely different. But it's annoying. Holy shit, was that game frustrating. My buddy, I mean, I know you followed a team a little bit. So you know UPL, the goalie? Oh, yeah. His initials UPL. My buddy was, we were at the restaurant last night watching the game. And um, my buddy, he let in like a really bad goal. And he didn't start. Devin Levi started and gave up four goals. And then they pulled him. And UPL was even worse. But anyway, instead of calling him UPL, he started calling him Poopiel. I just thought that was funny. Oh, Poopiel. Make a save, man. Anyway. And then they called him soft ass bitches too. So I guess that's what they look like on the ice right now. I kind of lost track where I was going with this. Oh, my point was. I'm starting to get trained to to find creative ways for the Bills or the Sabres to lose like in improbable fashion or have this funny name. And I think of this season and all the ebbs and flows and the position they got themselves in right now, which is not a good one. I mean, they're going to, if they make the playoffs, they'll be playing their best football because they literally can't afford to lose a game. So they're probably going to be on a five game winning streak if they get into the playoffs. That's going to be great. But if something goes wrong, can you imagine it being because of Easton Stick? The Easton Stick game, and that's what knocks the Bills pretty much essentially out of the playoffs. The Easton Stick game. Come on. That that that's why I feel like the Bills can't lose this game. Because that that just feels too ridiculous to me. Eat the Easton Stick game. All right, I'll give you seven. Put him on the ground seven times. Get this guy off. Come on, man. I'm I'm pissed. <laughs> they haven't even played yet. I'm just the thought of losing the Easton Stick is just I I can't. I can't. Can't but that's good. You should. I want everyone to feel that way. There, there should be no. You can't overlook anyone at this point. Whatever. You just can't do it. I am. I'm overlooking. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I am. They I'm lose this game. I'm finding you. I'm gonna. Part of my French, man. Part of my French. Forty something minutes in or whatever. It can't lose the fucking Easton stick. Just cannot happen, Anthony. It cannot happen. Uh, last point, key point, whatever you want to call it. I feel like. The Chargers are watching the film from the Dallas game. They're like, yo, we're not going to let James Cook just gash us. We're going to get more guys in the box. We're going to make a more concerted effort to stop the run. I think that this is a game where Josh Allen will throw it plenty. And I think it's a great chance to, you know, we talked about Gabe Davis earlier. I think this is a great chance to get Gabe Davis going and to get Khalil Shakir going because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for the Bills. Obviously, Stephon Diggs will get his, but... This is a good game to get Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir. I think they could be a key to this game as well. Yeah, I actually think before those two guys, um, Dalton Kincaid, you know, two drops against the Cowboys. Sure. I look at this as a bounce back for him. He's been playing hurt a little bit, had a thumb issue on the injury report last week. This week it's a shoulder. So assuming that he's he's good to go, but I can see that being a bit of a, a bounce back, you know, for him on Saturday night and and kind of getting things back on track. All right, put your money where your mouth is, man. It's prediction time, our weekly predictions. Uh, go ahead, unless you have anything that, that I missed in terms of like a key to the game for the Bills, but then I want to get a prediction from you. Yeah, I'm going to go 31-20. Um, prediction for the Bills to to win. Uh, again, the, the Chargers show a little bit more fight than fans are probably going to expect just because you've got a new head coach in, the embarrassment that they had last week probably going to hang around a little bit longer than any of us would like us them to. Not a situation where the game will ever really be in doubt, but more of just one of those scenarios where it's a little bit closer than anybody would have really expected it to going into Saturday night. It's a short week for the Bills. They're traveling across the country. Uh, the Chargers are playing at home, and they've got a little bit of extra rest having played on Thursday night football. So you know, you add all those things up uh, as much as I would rather it be a little bit of a ass kicking slobber knocker. I'll take 3120. Um, uh, listen, I'm sure most people would take 10 to 7 right now, <laughs> just win the game. And that's all ultimately that matters. I think the Bills are going to struggle one of the next two games against an inferior opponent, but I, I feel like it might be New England, even though that game's in Buffalo. 
everything you said made perfect sense. And it would be the formula for it to be a close game. But I still, I, Buffalo's going to win this game 37 to 10. I think they're just going to smack the shit out of the Chargers, um, get up on them early, get the foot on the gas, and uh, give them a beating. So I'm going to go 30. You're right, and I'm wrong. I hope either of us are right because that means the Bills win because that's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. Like I said, the NFL is a tough place to win on the road against anybody. And there are factors. The the West Coast trip, the short week, there's lots of the the galvanization maybe of the players. I mean, we don't know for sure. We're not around that that team and that fan base. So we don't know how they feel about, you know, if it's the coach, this and that. But, yeah, just win the game. And, and, And Anthony and I both think they're going to. Uh, before we get out of here, again, we're just a couple of days before Christmas. We'll do our finish the sentence segment. Three quick uh, Christmas-related questions, I should say, anyway. Um, a Marino family Christmas tradition is blank. Yeah, I was I was trying to think with this. I mean, as the kids were younger, I would read the night before Christmas to them before bed okay. every Christmas Eve. Uh, you know, last couple of years, as they've gotten older, we've gotten away from – from that a little bit, usually by the time you're getting the kids back into to bed. You know, the other thing is though, that is, that is big for us. My, my grandmother did it. My mom did it. I do it now. Uh, I make pit cell cookies each year, you know, mm. and yesterday spent about five hours making, you know, hundreds of these. It's just like, you know, and I have to make so many of them because between the five of us that live here, we eat enough even before you get to Christmas that they just become this like this go-to. So, you know, with a with a lot of it, you think of those like, you know, traditional cookies that the the family would would make. For for me, that's always been a a favorite. It's something I'm I'm happy to do each year. So that was uh that was really the first thing that came to mind. That that's cool. That is cool. Um for me, and it's changing now, it's always been the grandparents come to the house before the kids would open their gifts, which at times would be annoying to the kids because they were you know, we made them wait until yeah. grandma and grandpa got here, but that that's going to change this year. Um, but grandfather doesn't get around well anymore. So yeah. this year we're actually going to open up the gifts. And when I say kids, literally my kids are literally adults now. Like my daughter's 25 and lives with their boyfriend, but she comes over in the morning uh, my son lives with me, but he's got a girlfriend now. So he's actually going to his girlfriend's house at 8 a.m. on Christmas morning. I'll do some gifts with her and her family, and then they're coming back. So around 10 o'clock, we're going to open the gifts. But the new tradition is going to have to be, you know, God willing, for a lot of years that we'll open up our gifts, and then we'll go to grandparents' house afterwards yeah. instead of them coming here. So that'll change. And then the other one, which, you know, knock on wood, is still hopefully going to go for a long time is, One of my cousins, or actually my wife's cousins, I should say, she has a family uh, Christmas party at night. Like we all get together after, you know, doing all the family stuff with the kids and stuff. And the adults come have a couple cocktails, listen to Christmas music. So that's always fun. So we have a family Christmas party, Christmas night every year. Also on a Monday. Got to work on Tuesday. I don't know, man, about this year. (laughs) Anyway. All right. um, Favorite Christmas movie or TV or cartoon character is blank oh wait favorite character yeah all right this one is throwing me for a loop because i i thought you were saying favorite christmas or movie or tv show well let's do that too all right so i have a non-traditional for that which certainly um you know there's all the favorites that people have but listen over these past whatever it's probably been six seven years since it came out uh, Daddy's Home too. Will Ferrell. That's pretty good. Mark yeah. Goldberg. Um, not Mark. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Um, Marky Mark. Come on, man. You know, you you go through with this. Mel Gibson's character, John Lithgow, fantastic. I laugh at this movie so much, and I feel like it's a at Christmas. It's a, these families coming together to celebrate at Christmas time. I think it's hysterical. Some of it is over the top. But for what Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell have together, it is such a great dynamic, and the five yeah. of us can watch it. We had it on the other night, and we're just—I mean, we know everything, and we're just belly laughing through the <laughs> entire, the entire thing. But I, if you're going to go with, with a favorite character, though, um, I'll have to go with Ralphie from A Christmas Story. I mean, just 
you know, I think you look to that for a movie that, what is it, 40 years now, yeah. and that character you can relate to in so many different ways. The the daydreaming in class, the stupid pranks with his friends, mm -hmm. you know, checking the mail to get some crappy toy that came in that you were, you know, saved the UPC symbols for and, and sent in. And for Peter Billingsley to play that role as a kid as well as he did and for that to hold up over all these years. I mean, if you're talking a favorite character, Ralphie was just perfection. The the bunny uh, pajamas from his aunt, like it is just everything to helping his dad change the time. I'm running through the entire movie now, but if there is a favorite <laughs> character, you yeah. know, that kid is just uh, just fantastic. Do you do you still throw it on like every Christmas? It runs for what twenty four hours. I don't know TBS or TNT, one of those. Do you still throw it on at least at some point at Christmas every year? Yeah, for me it would always be uh, Christmas Eve. You know, kids go to bed. You're kind of getting stuff ready, mm -hmm. and uh, and you have that on in the background, right? And it's just one of those pieces of, you know, you're 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 tired. You just want to go to bed. You know, the kids are going to get up early. And uh, of course, there's always a few times where it's like, all right, I should be taking care of business a little bit. And I'm find myself staring at the TV chuckling for a minute. Um, that's that's always kind of, I guess you could say, another tradition to it. So. I um I hate when people hate on that movie because it's, you know, the popular movie and it's played every year for 24 straight hours or whatever. People like to hate on it. I love the movie. It's one of my favorites. Did you see this, the sequel that came out? I think it was last year or two years ago, Christmas Story. What was it? It's it's not a Christmas story too. It's something with I forgot the, the exact title right now. But it's a sequel. It's kind of like uh, there's a rumor out there this movie Rocky Five exists. I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> that it's there. I don't no, know. I don't, I don't, dude. Rocky Five sucked. This I got. I'm drawing a blank. It's not a Christmas story too because there actually was a Christmas story two years ago. I forgot. Maybe it's another Christmas story. I don't remember. But the sequel's all right. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as uh, yeah. the original. My favorite Christmas movie since, you know, we're going movies too. I, I have to go with Scrooge. I just, I, I love Bill Murray in that movie. And it's just, yeah. it's hilarious, man. It was laugh out loud, at least at the time when it came out to me, it was laugh out loud funny. Um, it's just, of course, it's a more modern adaptation of Ebenezer Scrooge. She loved that shit. My favorite character is Clark Griswold from uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just a family guy who wants everything to go right for Christmas and literally yeah. nothing goes right. And I'll tell you, at back in those days, I mean, now it's kind of gone off the deep end a little bit, but Chevy Chase was funny as hell when I was young, man. Oh, he, he, was, was he was such a good, funny character, man. Now, he... Uh... You think, I mean, Clark Griswold, again, you talk about just generational and just, you know, you see the T-shirts the now, the sweatshirts everywhere. I sure. mean, that one carries on forever. And I think in a lot of ways, too, I mean, you think, you know, in the past when you would talk about great Christmas movies and characters, there would be much more traditional type of stuff, right? Like, oh, hey, the family, this and that. Here it's like, yeah, we're, we're taking the National Lampoon's vacation and we're inserting this into Christmas. And having that movie that many folks can relate to of just like, oh my gosh, like you want everything to be perfect. It's not, it's over the top. Sure. And it's fantastic. Do you, uh, do you watch newer Christmas movies or are you pretty much when you do add the time that actually sit down and watch something, you always go back to the classics? No, there's a few newer ones that, uh, that we've really enjoyed. I'll tell you, if you haven't seen it, uh, Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus in, uh, the Christmas Chronicles. Love that movie. Fabulous, especially the first one on uh, on Netflix. And he was an awesome Santa Claus. Uh, the other one that, uh, you know, I think a little bit underrated, um, but, you know, we're a pitch perfect family here. Uh, Anna Kendrick starring in Noel on Disney Plus. Uh, it's fun. It's cute. The it. tradition of, of Santa Claus and coming down through the, the family. I, I thought that one was uh, was fantastic. Yeah. Too. So those are those are new ones that that definitely stand out. Uh, last question here. We'll, we'll go back to the Bills here. A little bit of maybe being a Grinch a little bit, but if the Bills, as hard as it is to fathom, but if the Bills lose to the Chargers on Saturday night, that's going to ruin your Christmas by blank percent. 
Zero percent. It's Christmas. Really? It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. The game's the game's not on Christmas Day or one of those pieces where you know you think uh, last year when the Bills played on Thanksgiving against the Lions and there's definitely was that sense of just like okay, am I going to be screaming at the television on Thanksgiving Day while we're getting things ready? The game's on the twenty third. Christmas is two days later. Uh, we're going to be with with family. We're, you know that part is all going to be to be great. Zero percent chance it ruins Christmas. Anthony Marino is a far better man than I am. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little bit. It'll ruin Christmas by ten percent for me because Christmas is two days later, and I'll for all the things you said. Uh, so, I'll, but I'm still going to. It's going to linger in my mind. So I'm going to say ten percent Christmas Day. It's going to ruin my Christmas Eve by close to hundred percent. I'll tell you that right now because I will get up on Sunday and. Before we do allow Christmas Eve is a, I'll ask you about that in a second too. But Christmas Eve, before we, we do our, our, our tradition, I actually have to tape a podcast on Sunday for Monday. And I'm going to be talking about a game that the Bills lost to the Los Angeles Chargers in Easton Stick. And it is going to 98% ruin my Christmas Eve. And I will be utterly miserable around everybody because the Bills season, look, we, we're laughing. We're having fun. It's Christmas week. But the bottom line is if the Bills lose to the Chargers, the season's over. I yeah. mean, you agree with that, right? Completely. All right. Well, I've been doing this every day now for a while and three times a week for a long time and talking about the Bills for as many days, weeks, and months as we have this season. And if that season gets ruined because they lose to the Chargers two days before Christmas, I'm going to lose my shit, man. So it's going to be 90% Christmas Eve, and then I'll put the other 10% on uh, Christmas Day. Do you have Christmas Eve traditions? Uh, Do you want anything specific every Christmas Eve? Or yeah, I would say I would say no, right? So I think with that and, you know, along those lines, like, you know, we'll rotate years. So, you know, one year will be with my family for Christmas, the other year with my wife's family. Sure. You know, we flip-flop with, with Thanksgiving. So, you know, I think when we talk about that, I, I wouldn't say – you know, anything necessarily I would, you know, again, reading the night before Christmas to the kids, you know, is there growing up like that used to be our, our tradition, but nothing too specific that comes to mind. Do you have a lot of family that live around where you do like in the same area? Uh, yeah, a decent amount. I mean, some have relocated over the years, but you know, for, you know, my entire side of the family, my sisters, my parents are, are here. Uh, my wife's side a little more spread out now, but it's, uh, yeah, but you know, everyone does a good job of getting together around the holiday and we always figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, my family, like my my mother's side, nobody's here. Like my mother, my mother and my sister live in Virginia. Most of my mother's side is quite frankly, old and and dead. (laughs) My dad's side, haven't seen them in in decades. They're in New Jersey, New York. My wife has an incredibly close family that does everything together. And I'm going to be honest, for years when we were first got together, it was kind of annoying almost to me. Like they do everything together. Like they're each other's best friends. You know, like the cousins are also best friends, which is I, you know, through the years, I really came to to, to love that. But, you know, at the time it was just weird to me. Like you do all this family stuff and it's just because I didn't. Anyway, so Christmas Eve is like the big, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins, everyone gets together. It's it's at the same house every year for Christmas Eve. And then Christmas morning, we all do our own immediate family stuff. And then, like I said, the adults will converge on uh, on Christmas. Dude, Christmas, I, I got to say this. I'm going to all in with this too. It's This is like a, a gamut of emotions for me because Christmas has been like the worst week of my life and, and the best week. Like some of the worst things of my life and some of the best things in my life have happened on Christmas. My dad died in God, 1990. So you're talking over 30 some years ago, but he died two days before Christmas on the 23rd. My son, I just told you he's turning 21 tomorrow or today when you're listening, December 21st. Obviously that's one of the best days of my life. I yeah. proposed to my wife 10 years to the day almost was December 22nd. I proposed to my wife uh, in the year 2000. So it's like so much shit has happened huge in my life, good and bad. In a couple days uh, before Christmas, but I'm gonna enjoy this one. As long as the Bills beat the Chargers, anyway. Put a lot of pressure on this football game, but you know what? <laughs> Despite all those those things, the the highs and the lows. I mean, I think when you just look at everything, it's uh, 
you got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, it makes it all makes it all pretty special. And it sounds like you got some uh, some pretty good traditions yourself, too, which is uh, kind of nice. I do, man. And I'm very happy. Like I say, you know, it's uh, things are things are, are going great. And I appreciate having you on the show doing this almost every week with me. And I will have you back next week. We'll uh, preview the Patriots. We'll talk about some of the shit that we did at Christmas, some of the stuff that, that went down. And good guy, man, I hope we're talking about a, uh, or at least putting the bow on a Bills win. Because you're right. I am putting too much on this football game. And they just, they can't lose. But I appreciate you, man. I always appreciate you having on. No, I appreciate you too. And I hope you have a great holiday and a Merry Christmas. All right, guys. Thank you very much for, for tuning in, for listening, for watching. I actually am going to be back with one more episode uh, tomorrow as well. For Anthony Marino, I'm Patrick Moran. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.